Chris Cox found relief from long-term back pain through use of CBD in 2016 and soon turned his growing knowledge of and passion for holistic medicine into a retail enterprise, Plenty Wellness in Loveland, Colorado. Plenty Wellness carries the highest quality retail CBD products in the region and has a very education-focused and consultative approach. Buzzscreens was founded in 2022 as an efficient way for local businesses to reach community marketplaces. Their screens are located in dozens of locations around Loveland, Wellington, Johnstown, and Berthoud, and especially in popular restaurants and taverns. They carry weather, sports, news, and community information, and allow businesses to promote their products and service in a non-intrusive way. Chris grew up in Minneapolis, had a career in loss prevention, and later with Avon. He's an idea guy and a lifelong learner, and this episode features great discussion about the whys and the waypoints that go into an entrepreneur's journey. Chris's businesses aren't just about CBD and promotional TV screens, they're about solving real problems, finding solutions to market pains. He's an authentic guy and a great conversationalist, and so I invite you to enjoy, as I did, my conversation with Chris Cox. Let's have some fun. Welcome to the Loco Experience Podcast. On this show, you'll get to know business and community leaders from all around Northern Colorado and beyond. Our guests share their stories, business stories, life stories, stories of triumph and of tragedy, and through it all, you'll be inspired and entertained. These conversations are real and raw, and no topics are off limits. So pop in a breath mint and get ready to meet our latest guest. Welcome back to the Loco Experience Podcast. My guest today is Chris Cox, and Chris is the founder and CEO of Plenty Wellness in Loveland, as well as the co-founder of Buzz Screens, also based out of Loveland, correct? That is correct. And uh, why don't uh, you just tell people what those two businesses do to start? Let's start with Plenty Wellness. Sure, will do. Thank you. Uh, well, Plenty Wellness uh, ended up being the first CBD store in Colorado. Oh, wow. Uh, it, came from a, it came out of me having severe, severe pain as a result of the pain, anxiety, and depression, hmm. and really needing a solution. Hmm. Um, I was unwilling to take opiates, take the painkillers, the muscle relax. I didn't want to go down that road. Hmm. And so in uh, Was early, this pain from, like, injury pain? Or you? It was from work. Uh, okay. Multiple injuries from, from work. I worked previously with a police department and in uh, loss prevention. And so I had okay. some low back injuries, yeah. which weren't too bad at the time, relatively speaking. But I ended up being in the wrong place three times uh, and ended up in uh, multiple car accidents, none of oh, which gosh. were my fault, fortunately, <laughs> but that just compounded uh, the injury and made yeah, it worse. Yeah, yeah. And so you went to the doctor and they said, here, have some opiates. That wasn't an option for me. Yeah. I, I, I'd seen too much as far as other people getting addicted and the, the damage that it does. Yeah. And I just wouldn't go down that road. Hmm. And so how did you learn about CBD and and? Like, when was this? Uh, circa me a little bit. So this was uh, in early 2016. The pain was just, I was living at 8, 9, and 10 on the pain scale, day in and day out. Mm. There was really very little relief. Dang. Ibuprofen helped, but long-term use of ex- Yeah, if large you want stomach ibuprofen. problems or whatever else, you can do that. That's exactly it. Uh, so what ended up happening is I went to a friend of mine. He's a chiropractor. He was able to give me some input and said, look, um, you are in a lot of pain because my insurance company had sent me to specialists, and they had said there wasn't they didn't see anything. Mm. They'd almost convinced me I was crazy. Mm. Uh, but my friend, the chiropractor, had said, look, you are in a lot of pain. And uh, because of what it is and where it is, it's going to take a long time to heal. Yeah. But at least he convinced me I wasn't crazy. Right. Shortly thereafter, I met another gentleman who had recommended something called CBD. Hmm. 
I didn't know what it was. Um, I was a little nervous about it because of my background. I've never used marijuana, none of it. But I found a gentleman who was well-informed on it. He educated me and got me hmm. up to speed, okay. told me what it was, and I figured I've got nothing to lose here. And so like, I want to maybe unfold that journey more as we jump in the time machine. But sure. So what went from, like, it just changed your life so much? You were like, everybody needs this? Because I remember even back in, may, call it 2012, 2014, there were like CBD creams and stuff. You could go to the, nat- not the natural grocers, but like the, the co-op grocer and yeah. different places and you could get CBD infused products, but not that you were the first actual like specialty store. We were the first specialty store that really focused on education, quality products, and understanding that the individual matters. That mm. walking into a CBD store and finding any product off the shelf may not be the right fit for you. So much so we actually ha- have proprietary information based on someone's genetic makeup. We mm. actually make custom recommendations based on that information alone. Oh, yeah. I remember when we first talked, you mentioned that if I was like Nordic, then this particular thing might not work as good for me or something like that. Uh, typically Scotch-Irish. Okay, but, uh, yeah. Czechs, Germans, Russians, and Dutch, we found out some very interesting information that allows us to truly tailor it to the individual. So it doesn't necessarily, like, things just don't work. It doesn't not work. You just got to get the right thing correct to work right so so you so that's it's a retail cbd education and products store basically that's that's right we do free uh one-on-one consultations because again we don't want people to walk through the door and just guess at what they're purchasing we want to make sure it's the right product Mm -hmm. and as a result we've been able to help tens of thousands of people since we opened wow and the goal is to make sure that we're always bringing value yeah fair enough um so let's talk about buzz screens now. <laughs> All uh, right. And we'll come back to both a little bit more, but just to sure. to set a, set the audience here and who we're talking to. So buzz screens is a digital out-of-home advertising network. Um, we place high-quality commercial-grade screens into uh, high-traffic locations such as sports bars, restaurants, family fun centers, bowling alleys, you name it, yeah. where people dwell. Um, the advertising landscape has changed dramatically, and as a retail store owner myself, I've gone down that road. I've spent a fortune on print on on other traditional methods, and we needed something that worked. Um, Again, so you start doing this for you. That's right. So we we started it because we had a problem. We as a small business, we had a problem, but we knew we could solve a solution for others. Yeah, and and it has taken off like crazy. Well, and you know, sometimes problems can only be solved with large numbers, right? Like you can't afford as as Plenty Wellness to have. A, a digital ad up 24 seven and all these different places, you got to share that burden, but then it can be something great for 10 people or a hundred people or a thousand, right. Or whatever your rotation is. And that's, that's absolutely true. But we, we wanted to build a network to be community based where we're bringing value to the community, not just advertisements because look, I'm a consumer like anybody mm. else. I don't like advertising. <laughs> right. We wanted to bring information and education to the, to the community. Oh yeah. So like uh, the weather updates and different things like that. And, and I think, uh, how did it go? You mentioned that you were talking to a city or something about so we're working you know, with, how to communicate with their citizens, like because nobody can get your attention these days. That's that's right. <laughs> so we're actually working with municipalities as well because they've got information they're, they're trying to share, whether it be through their police department, the local utilities department, yeah. um, local festivals, uh, things that are going on. Right. And we want to get that information out in a, an efficient manner. Yeah, Christmas tree recycling is running only through January 30th, so That's set right. your tree out front by then <laughs> or whatever, right? Exactly. And yeah. you can kind of hope that word even spreads because people get it in this kind of unconventional fashion. They're like, hey, 
I see your Christmas tree there. You, you should put it out at the curb. They'll take it for you. It's, it's <laughs> a multiplier effect. That's yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, um, I think it'll be fun to unfold both of those uh, businesses and journeys and how they work and who they serve and get some stories. But I feel like might as well like get the whole journey um, and jump in the time machine and, and let's go visit, you know, pre-elementary school. Chris, where were you? Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Quite the time machine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how far we went back, but it was ways. So um, I'm originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay. I uh, grew up in, in South Minneapolis, right around Lake Nokomis. Mm. Um, I've got an older brother, a younger sister. So I, of course, have all the middle child syndrome issues. <laughs> Which is what? Like? Uh, I never got enough attention. Peacemaker. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Peacemaker. Yeah. Um, you know, my brother My brother seemed to get everything first. My little sister being the, the little one. Uh, the youngest, all the she, good stuff. she got all the good stuff. Yeah, yep. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, but but in general, um, I love growing up in Minnesota. It was it was fantastic. I, I was exposed to a lot of different things. Uh, while I grew up in South Minneapolis, we got exposed to horseback riding, fishing, all sorts of sports. We spent mm. a lot of time up in the Boundary Waters, uh, which is the, mm-hmm. the properties. Yeah. I've never actually been, but I know many people that have. Oh, it's incredible! And for those just listening, go Google it because the Boundary Waters is like I don't know what. 500 plus square miles of just like little streams and lakes and you got to portage your canoe between different little streams and lakes and it's yeah pristine wilderness yeah uh, when we like the everglades of minnesota that's right in a way <laughs> so when we when I, I first went up there we we went up uh, backpacking and we would bring inflatable rafts and whatnot just to go out and have fun in the lake I don't, it's been years since I've been up there, but at the time we were able to drink water right out of the middle of the lake. I don't doubt it. It was so clean. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was the the background of your family? Was your family from there? Did they move to Minneapolis? So my father, uh, my father's originally from Jersey. Um, okay. In in uh, out on the East Coast there, but yep. my mom, she's she was from Minnesota girl too. Central Minnesota. Okay. Grew up on a farm. Very very conservative. Uh, yep. Growing up the way it was with with grandpa. No dancing, no no music, anything like oh, that. Oh wow! Uh-huh. So so it was so that's like the Baptists almost, right? Uh, it it was pretty strict. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair enough. <laughs> so. Um, and then your dad met her up somewhere and whatever, and and came to Minneapolis. And was it a working class family? Were they entrepreneurs? Uh, it was a working class family. My father, uh, if if I may, just real quick, sure. My father, uh, was was he had to grow up very very quickly. Um, yeah. Where he and his brother. Were homeless. My father was about eight years old. Oh wow! Looking out for his little brother Stanley. This is in Jersey, I guess. This was yeah. Wow. And and so dad had to grow up fast. Like their parents die. They were to in that scene. You, my father since passed, and so I, I don't have a lot. Don't of even really know the answer. Yeah, yeah. not a lot. Wow. I, I've seen pictures of my grandmother. Um, yeah. Her name's Catherine, but I I wow. know that it was from passing. Um, you know, both parents wow. passed, but my father took care of his little brother Stanley, and 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 really. Uh, forced education, education that that was mm. gonna that's what was gonna take them okay. where they wanted to go in life. And around the ages of seventeen, my father kind of hit the end of the road. He he couldn't keep providing for Stanley, mm. and so he lied about his age to get into the military. Mm. Uh, he ended up going to Korea, sent money back for Stanley. Wow! Um, and it was it was really were incredible. they still on the streets, or he had a, found a stable place to live, kind of, and, but could, had, needed yeah. to support him and stuff. Yeah, more more stability, but yeah. but the military experience really uh, formed my father. Big yeah, time. I bet. Uh, you know, well, it had no structure; was just really a free range, in the worst way, kind of kid, right? That, for the most in part, in the best way too. I'm sure he had mentors and influences and stuff, but. 
he, not much structure. He did. There was some family around, and he got okay. some help. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what was interesting, what I learned about my father, and it explained a lot for me as as growing up. What I learned is my father called referred to himself as a one man band hmm. because he had his his uh, um, what what are the the, the fabric. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I forget the, the, his jeans would or his his pants would be would be making noise as he walked. His <laughs> okay. shoes would be flopping because they they were all all used and and um, torn up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so when he was in the military, he was so proud of that uniform and how he how sharp he looked. Yeah. And from that point on, up until I was in eighth grade, I never saw my dad not wear a suit. Wow. I remember as a kid watching him do plumbing in a suit. <laughs> he mowed the lawn in August in Minnesota with all the humidity and heat. In a suit. Wow. Everything was in a suit. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what took him to Minnesota? Was it meeting your mom? And, or how did how did that occur? Uh, after the military, I guess? After Korea? Fresh start? Yeah, work. Uh, he, he worked uh, in the military. He was an engineer. Came okay. out. He became ultimately an electrical engineer. Wow. Yeah. He worked on the uh, ICBMs wow. uh, in development. Very, very, very smart man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but ultimately, he ended up working for a company by the name of Control Data okay. in Minnesota. That's what brought him there. Yep. And it was it was really uh, an experience meeting everyone that worked for my father. Everyone had a very different. <laughs> he sounds like a, a very uh, <laughs> fairly eccentric, rememberable person. With, without a but doubt. But very committed to excellence. Very committed to excellence. Yeah. Yeah. He, he held a high a high standard. So um, so you're this middle kid. You're getting into school by now. You're enjoying. Uh, are you a good student? It seems likely that that your dad was pretty poking you if you didn't get good grades and stuff. Or well, you're asking some tough questions here. Yeah. So, um, in general, I was a good student. I wasn't the straight A student, but I wasn't I wasn't the worst either. Yeah. Uh, but it, you, you talked about middle school. Um, you know, I for for years I was very ashamed of this, but but the truth is I I ended up having to repeat seventh grade. Hmm. I was in a I was at a private school, and for a long time I didn't share why. But a, a friend of mine that we had met in our neighborhood. An adult friend, he owned a bar, hmm. and he was actually murdered um, oh. within a few weeks of school starting for seventh grade for me. And I, I went to school all year, um, but it was very, very challenging for me to focus. Yeah. And I appreciate what my mom was trying to do. She wanted us to get you know eight hours of sleep every night. And, and of course, during the day as a student, I had things to distract me. But when I went to bed at night, that's where the quiet became too much. That's mm. when I started thinking about my friend and missing him. Wow. And so I went to school all year, but I didn't, uh, I wasn't you engaged. Checked in. Not at all. Had had it been more common in those days and stuff, like a therapist would have been super helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, again, I, I appreciate what my mom was doing, but at the end of the day, it was, um, it was just too much for me to bear. Yeah. Well, and they probably just didn't recognize it. So. Yeah. What got you out of that funk or was there something uh i would have to say friends some some good friends and family that yeah. that really encouraged me and said you know that what i was going through at that time was not normal for my age hmm. uh which certainly was the case but they also kind of gave me the choice of being the victim yeah or taking ownership yeah seems like you chose well I did. <laughs> so, um, were you an athlete? Anything like this? Is this? A, did you go to public schools, or was it private schools most of your upbringing? So through sixth grade, it was public school. Mm-hmm. Uh, seventh, 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 and seventh eighth, again. <laughs> and ninth grade were all private school, and then I went to charter school after that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I was a uh, I was a a runner. Okay. I was a sprinter, and yeah. 
ended up getting a little bit of attention in eighth grade when I was running varsity at the high school next door. Mm. Um, and, and I really enjoyed that. And that ultimately my senior year that translated from sprinting to cross country skiing. Oh, uh, and that that was quite the experience. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, I think of cross-country skiing as being much more of an endurance sport, not the quick twitches necessarily that the sprinters have. You are so right. There were so many days after practice, I don't recall driving home. I was so tired. <laughs> <laughs> really? Um, so wrapping up with high school, uh, any notable things that, that were formative to you in those years? or And what did you do right after? Uh, that's a good question. In high school, I, I went to multiple schools. I suppose oh. the uh, just from private school in ninth grade to a charter school in tenth grade that didn't succeed after that year. Mm. Then I went on to uh, what was the Minnesota Business Academy in St. Oh. Paul, Minnesota. Interesting. That was very very formative. Uh, some of our teachers, our instructors, uh, one of our teachers, shout out to uh, Mr. Carlson. He's um, being clear, once a Marine, always a Marine, but he was a Marine. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, he brought that to the classroom uh, every single day. Hmm. And he really encouraged us to to bring our best. And he focused on reality. He never used a single textbook. Um, he, he brought hmm. out his own checkbook one day and said, guys, I'm going to teach you how to write a check. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember I was struggling in uh, maybe second year economics hmm. and uh, Cliff Dobitz was my professor and he did a a real life example using marginal costs and diminishing returns and stuff uh, about a keg party. Like how many <laughs> kegs do you actually want to buy? Well, like what's your maximal profit potential here without pissing people off because the beer runs out too early. That's right. And uh, it just like that kind of stuff just clicked so much better for me when there could be a story behind it yeah. and uh, not just Sally did this and it's written words and it's not people you can imagine really in the same way. And that's that's exactly what it was for, for me as well with Mr. Carlson. Yeah, uh, he he really uh, left an impression on a lot of students. Yeah, and and I think drove a lot of us to strive for success no yeah. matter what yeah. we should face. Yeah, cool. Um, and so, same school again for senior year. Or the, <laughs> yeah, that's same good. school. Yeah. Yep. And then what was next for you? So after that, um, over the summer after graduation, I really kind of took the day off. Uh, excuse me, took the summer off, uh, helped some friends, some family with some work that they were doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately, at the end of the summer, I, I went over to Best Buy and yeah. uh, took a job at Lost Prevention. Okay. Actually, a yellow shirt. Oh, yellow shirt at that time. <laughs> <laughs> or is that the bosses of yellow shirts? Floor people are blue? Uh, security. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so you were basically uh, keeping keeping kids from stealing iPads and stuff like that. That's exactly right. This okay. is a little pre-iPad, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Back when Best Buy really owned uh, the consumer electronics world, right? Like that, It was gravy time for them at that time. What oh. was that other one that was their competition for? Circuit City. Circuit City. Yeah. Uh, spectacular flame out. That uh, was incredible. Uh, because <laughs> of the work that I did, we had some inside information. Circuit City had more product going out the back doors and the front doors during their, mm. while they were shutting down. I, I mean, just from a moral standpoint, I, I didn't take part in any of that, but we knew that there was a lot of product going out the back door. Interesting. <laughs> so, uh, so Best Buy for a while, and then um, you're a married guy now. Were you still single at that time, or were you? I was in a relationship. Okay. Um, like some others, you know, it took a while to to learn to uh, to really understand what it was I was looking for. Fair. In in my in my partner and in my in laws. Yeah. Uh, but I was in a relationship for about eight years. Oh wow! It just wasn't uh, ultimately wasn't a fit. Yeah, 
And so. then did that then lead into the change of career path? Uh, no, I was still in security and, and loss prevention, and I was looking at going full-time in law enforcement. Okay. Uh, but what, what really brought marriage on and everything else, uh, I met my wife at uh, Neiman Marcus, Minnesota. Okay. Uh, excuse me, at Neiman Marcus in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Um, I tend to be a stickler for the rules. Okay. She's not quite so much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like to say there's suggestions with consequences. There you go. Um, but she... We both clearly liked each other. But Did you she bust her me. shoplifting? No. Way. Oh, okay. No I was way. just checking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she, uh, she actually was pursuing me, and, and I can be a little dense when it comes to that relationship type stuff. Fair enough. When she aggressively put her cell phone number in my hand, even I understood, hey, I think she likes me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as the rules go, in my position, I wasn't supposed to be in any relationship with anyone in the store. Okay. Um. Oh, and she was like a checker or whatever in your loss prevention at Neiman Marcus. And that's right. Yeah, she she was on the sales floor, uh, but I'll tell you what, it was it was absolutely worth it. Um, yeah. What's and her name? That, her name is Rachel. Hi, Rachel. I'm sure you'll listen. I'm sure she will. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, pretty quickly turned from curiosity to love. Sounds like it really did. I mean, very very quickly. Um, I'm very... What was it uh, like? Why did she? Was she that way with all the boys, or did she just uh, find you to be a hunkadelic kind of <laughs> guy over there? Or what was that all about? She told me she was looking for a guy that was mature. Hmm. Um, there's seven years difference between us. Okay. Um, and I... so at that time, you were how old, and she was how old? She she had just turned 21. Okay. So and I was 27 still yeah, yeah. when we started dating. Uh, but what was interesting with her, she said she wanted a, a more mature guy. Look, I, Kurt, I'm a child. You're still not I'm, more I'm mature. An, no, I'm an overgrown child. <laughs> <laughs> so it was all about the hunkadelic, ultimately. I, I think so. <laughs> but fortunately, um, you know, I, I'm an open book. You know, I share with everybody. But the truth is, I'm I'm pretty emotional. You know, I, I feel people's emotions, and I take that very seriously. Yeah. My wife and I were a good fit because she is she's very very consistent as far as her mm. emotional status yeah yeah uh, or status and so she and i keep we, we balance each other very very well yeah, that's interesting but it was that bit about her personality that really made the difference for me in knowing that this is a, a genuine relationship yeah. because she doesn't cry but when she was missing her family she's originally from modesto california okay when she cried and said she misses her family but she didn't want to leave me I knew this was genuine. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's fair. That's fair. That By the way, for what point. it's worth, my wife is a lot like yours. And uh, she was 19 and I was 25 when we first met. Uh, and uh, But I told her she was too young for me. And we waited a couple of years before we did anything about it. But anyway, so, and kind of for a lot of those same reasons, I was, you know, interesting, more mature. She was already pretty dialed for somebody so young. Uh, anyway, so, so love, marriage, uh well, right away. I was uh, at the at the time. This is before I had experience as an entrepreneur and a business owner. Yeah, I figured you know it'll take a year. I'll be a millionaire. No problem. I'll have a great wedding. I'll get a big giant ring. Right, right. It took a little while to to figure out that that wasn't going to be the case. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so we didn't get married right away. But when we did, we were so grateful. We had a a, a very very small wedding up in Breckenridge at the Nordic Ski Center. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it was just it, it was it was perfectly. I was just to Breckenridge for a wedding a couple of years ago. My uh, step sibling, oh yeah, got married up there in Breckenridge in some kind of an old factory kind of thing or something like that. Uh, I forget where it was, but 
It was right there. No, it was in Brat Brat Brat. There's another city there that starts with a B, real close to Breckenridge. I'm not hmm. real familiar. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> Breckenridge is kind of our our point. That's of, your place of contact. Oh, yeah. Cool. So, uh, so you get married and you're still working loss prevention. Um, no, actually, no. You that's when you made the change. You're yeah. like, if I'm going to be married and I'm going to save for a ring and maybe have babies someday. Well, what what actually happened step. is. Uh, Jeez. Uh, after about a year or so of Rachel and I dating in Minnesota, we moved out to uh, California. Oh. Uh, to be closer to her family. She she was missing them. Yep. So we lived in Simi Valley. I stayed in loss prevention there. Um, mm-hmm. But at that point, I'd left the police department. Um, we, we, oh, you were part of the police department in loss prevention? Or I thought you were a store employee. So loss prevention is private. Uh, that was that was through oh, different retailers. Oh, so it's retailers. a contractor. So you go to different stores and different places and whatever. I, yeah. But I it's like a contractor. Uh, not as much as a contract. I worked directly for these retailers, uh-huh. uh, but I'd move around different experience, different types of, of retail environments. Okay. But at the time, um, I worked for a reserve unit at a police department in Minnesota. In the Minneapolis oh, I area. see. Okay. And as a uh, result of that, there was a pretty horrific uh, line of duty death for a police officer. Then mm. I was at his funeral and... Um, Ended up seeing some things that were pretty heartbreaking. You know, there was a, another officer that was involved. Hmm. Can you describe it a little more? Would sure. it be therapeutic or is it sure, too no, we can go into close? It. It, it, uh, it, it, it may be close, but that's okay. I'm willing to share. Okay. Uh, there was an officer, a female officer um, in one city, and, and I'm going to keep cities and names out. Um, female officer in one city, and she had a domestic call, which can be incredibly dangerous. Sure. got emotions running high. Right, right. Uh, she took this call and it was on a border street with the neighboring city. Okay. No one in her city was able to back her up, which was policy. So an officer from the neighboring city came over to back her up. They were going into an apartment being a gentleman. He said, let me go first. Really just trying to protect her. Sure. As he went through the the door, this apartment, uh, a flaming towel was thrown in his face. Oh yeah. And the husband that was involved in this domestic started attacking him. And ended up getting his gun away from him and shot him and killed him. Oh, boy. And the female officer who was behind him, she had also been shot in the arm. It was a pretty pretty terrible situation. Yeah. And and she escaped with her life? Did she, she take the guy out? Or she she, got she out survived, yeah. Yeah. She survived. But at the funeral, um, typically in those line of duty deaths, there are lots and lots of officers there I'm to sure. show support. Of all those thousands and thousands of officers... I ended up seeing the female officer and it was just devastating personally. I mean, I'm an empath. I can feel people's emotions and and I had never seen a human being that was just a shell crushed and it it really was too much. I I was dating my wife, my now wife at the time. And um, like cop work isn't really going to be for me. I wanted to be a family man. It was, that was important to me. And because of how emotions impact me, I knew I wouldn't be able to be the man I want the man I want to be for my wife and for my daughter. Yeah. Um, now, you know, didn't have her at the time. Yeah. It just wasn't a fit. That's where yeah. I had to make a life change. Yeah. And that's what then led you to California and new chapters and all that. That's right. Was your wife uh, pursuing her own career or was she, um, what was her At that time, she she was kind of just, just trying to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys are both like, you know, at least you got each other, but you don't have too much in terms of uh, resources and stuff, you know, right. young marrieds and, and whatever, right? 
I, I'd had a little bit of, uh, set aside in, in investment, and and so Good we, for you. we we you're took a, you're that. a saver then. Yep. Try to be. Yep. <laughs> um, try to be, but we we had taken some of that money, a little bit of that money out, and went to California. Took a little bit of time off, spent time with family and some friends. Mm. Wow. Uh, but quickly learned California, especially Southern California, wasn't a fit for us. Yeah. Um, we ended up going back up to Modesto to spend even more time with her family. Okay. Because uh, when we moved from Minnesota, we went to... Is Seattle. Modesto North California? It's a Central Valley. Central Valley, okay. Yep. When, when everyone thinks of California, they think of the coast. Like kind of south trees. of Sacramento or something? That's right. Okay. Yeah. we It was surrounded by uh, orchards. Right, right. <laughs> yep, yep. Almonds. That's right. I, I met a guy that was totally like uh, hillbilly style, uh, but they were almond farmers. They had gotten rid of the dairies and put it all into almonds. Almonds. That's right. Almonds. <laughs> yep, we raised those almonds. Right, th- right there next to the blue diamond yeah. plant. Oh, is that right? Yeah, That's that right. sounds about right. Yep. So, uh, so back up there, and then uh, circa me now is this twenty thirteen fourteen? Good timing. Yeah, twenty thirteen. Um, again, I was with Best Buy again. And were your car accidents all back there in Cali, in Minnesota? <laughs> uh, they were in Minnesota. Okay. Yep. They were all in Minnesota. Lingered. Uh, we'll, we'll just blame it on the weather in Minnesota. Sure. <laughs> California drivers. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I was able to avoid most of those. Um, but we, I was back with Best Buy in Modesto, and that's actually how I got here to Colorado. Oh, really? I, as you can tell, I'm pretty social. I like talking to people. Yeah. And... Um, a gentleman walked in the front door and said, hey, you seem to like talking to people. And he said he's with uh, Avon Products. Okay. And I said, look, I'm not interested in Avon Products, <laughs> cosmetics. I have no interest in it. Right. And he, he quickly stopped me and said it has nothing to do with that. He said, we are looking for district managers to work with the Avon representatives to help them build their business and, and how to engage with people hmm. to grow their businesses. Yeah. I found that interesting. And he said, you know, let's do a ride along. And so about a week or so later... Spent a day with him. It was incredible. Ah. The morning started at uh, a coffee shop, right. meeting with a couple of reps. He and I went out, talked to a few strangers, met with a few more reps. Which there's really no shop. such thing. Right, right. <laughs> uh, met with a few more reps, and that was the end of the day. It was incredible. Right. Um, but what was interesting is he asked me, he said, where where have you always wanted to live? Which no one has ever asked me that before when it comes to hmm. a job. Yeah. And I told him I'd heard a lot about um, Lake Tahoe. I said, I'd love to go to Lake Tahoe for a little while and then move to Colorado because Colorado was my ultimate dream. Yeah, yeah. And he said, well, there's no positions open in Tahoe, but we have a position open in northern Colorado. Huh. That's how I ended up here. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> so packed up the U-Haul and moved out here. That's right. And uh, I guess that's probably where we kind of left off a little bit, started having increasing pain from these old injuries and whatever. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what, what brought a lot of that on. Um with Avon, I had a massive, massive territory. Okay. I had southern Wyoming, uh, probably the first 100 miles of Wyoming, um, I-25 to the Utah border down to Winter Park. Wow. That was all mine. Yeah. And so I spent a lot of time. Yeah, just road worrying it. That's right. Driving in and out of the vehicle, and I think that really compounded the issues. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so let's just talk about your experience with that. I mean, was it like? Somebody, your chiropractor introduced you to a guy who introduced you to CBD and then it was just like, boom, I feel better? Or was it a journey? What, what, yeah, tell me about your experience personally. It was very much a journey. Um, you know, since the since the, the friend of mine that was murdered when I was in seventh grade, yeah. that brought on a lot of depression. And I've, I've really coped 
dealt with depression my whole life. Yeah. On and off a few antidepressants and I didn't like them. Um, but the pain was so severe. I, I, I say this gently because we, we yeah. have a serious problem in our society right now with, with depression and mental illness. Um, sure. And it is, it is a very real problem. Um, but the truth of the matter is my pain level was so bad in early 2016, I was days away from suicide. Well, and, and that's, that's really why I do what I do well. is to help people because while you can't see the pain, it's very real. You know, I had, uh, I had food poisoning this weekend. Ooh. Yeah. On Saturday evening and all, you know, most of Sunday morning, I felt like warmed up dog poop <laughs> and, and I still felt kind of crappy yesterday and, you know, it was just an ornery cuss with my wife and my, my uh, exchange student, uh, daughter in the house and, and I'm feeling much better today. Uh, but it was, it was just clear to me and obvious how, how much our emotions are impacted by our, like the physical pain and, and whatever, and how just, you know, yeah, I, I was just in a funk all day yesterday and that was the main reason why. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, that emotions certainly have their place, you know? Sure. They're useful. They're useful, but it can also have such a, a real physical impact yeah. in our, in our lives, our daily yeah. lives. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that, that really changed for me. And so to answer your question, it's been a journey. Um, when I saw my friend, the chiropractor and he gave me hope that that was hope, but yeah. I was still in pain. It didn't, it didn't take the pain away. Right. And because I knew, honestly, I was about to throw in the towel. Yeah. Um, I had nothing to lose. Did you when, have a kiddo already then too? No, I did not. Okay. And that was a, that was a big piece of it because right. I know what kind of man I want to be to my wife and to my, my daughter. Yeah. And I knew in that kind of pain and that deep yeah. depression ongoing, I couldn't do that. And I was unwilling to, wow. to go down that road unprepared. Yeah. yeah. You're at least the second or third guest that's been on the show that's talked about, you know, that level of hopelessness that leads to thoughts of what else should I do? Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it was, it was incredible. And so there was a gentleman, I, I was introduced to him through, through a mutual friend. Um, he is, he's since passed, but he, uh, he took the time to answer every question I had about CBD, what it is, what yeah. it isn't and yeah. how it works. And I would say he's the one that encouraged me to really focus on education when working with others. Mm. But ultimately, after three hours of grilling him, he he offered me a sample, and, yeah. and I figured I have nothing to lose here. Right. I, it, with as unbelievable unbelievable as this sounds, eighty percent of my pain, the anxiety, the depression was gone in about three seconds after putting what? two drops under my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> and again, was no that problem. lasting? Like it was just like boom. It was it was incredible. I, I it like how much of that was in your brain and how much of that was in your body? Do you think like was it the hope plus some juice and your brain was like oh it's not as bad as I I think a big piece it was uh, let me back up just a little bit the ibuprofen really it, it helped but I was right. taking upwards of eight hundred to a thousand milligrams twice right. a day oh and as can't do that for yeah. long yeah well just walking in here as you'd asked you know uh, and, and I mentioned I typically don't eat breakfast. Yeah. I have a couple bites for lunch and then I eat dinner. And what I now know is taking 800 to 1,000 milligrams twice a day with about a with shot that glass. Routine. Well, yeah, about a shot glass of amount, amount of water. You can't do that in 
be healthy. No, <laughs> no, you'll have ulcers bleeding out soon or something. That's right. Um, and so, so I know for a fact because the ibuprofen did help, the CBD was more consistent in reducing the inflammation, which yeah. was causing the yep. severe pain in my back. Yep, yep. Um, so it was lasting. Well, and I've heard that back pain is kind of mysterious sometimes in that, like, it's almost like a what like an expanding loop, like the feedback loop where it hurts, so inflame it more, or almost kind of thing where your own like feelings of pain do things to your body that make it actually physically worse. I yeah, I would I would agree. I don't know if that's it's, the case. I one of our members was talking about his own experience because he's he's a thirty eight year old strapping young man that looks like he should be you know, in amazing health and he's been mostly a desk and office worker, but is also an athlete, but he just has seasons, uh, sometimes where it's a month or two or something where his back pain is just kind of almost hard to overcome. I I would completely agree with that. That's, that's been my experience as well, but those seasons of pain and discomfort, they're significantly reduced. Yeah. Um, what I've actually well, found... I'll set him down to you next time he uh, mentions that if he's in a season, <laughs> or maybe even for, for actually, I, pr- I presume that CBD is not just a miracle cure for problems, but also a, a great preventative kind of thing. Like taking low dose CBDs in certain fashions is like a good elixir. It it really really is. I mean, on on many many fronts, while it has helped significantly with my low back pain. Um, it's really helped with the, the depression. And, and I've made jokes with clients in the store when my wife is there saying, well, I don't think she would have married me had I not found CBD. And one of our clients, she called me out on it. She said, Chris, do you really want her to answer that question? It wasn't so funny when she asked that. Right. <laughs> and the truth is, no, I, I didn't want my wife to actually answer it. But the reason I say that is from work in, the, in my past and some stuff that happened in my childhood, I now know I deal with a level of PTSD. Had it not been for that CBD allowing me more consistency and level emotion, uh, more consistent yeah. emotional status. Um, I don't think my wife would have married me, but again, I'm not asking her. <laughs> have you, uh, have you tried microdosing with mushrooms yet? So it's interesting. You should ask that. We just had some extremely high quality mushrooms show up in the store. Okay. We're sampling them right now. We are looking forward to offering those to our clients. Ah, interesting. I, you know, from, I listen to a lot of podcasts and do, you know, my own research and, I've eaten mushrooms recreationally a lot, but kind of from the the background and some of the stressors and different things, and even frankly your your own kind of I don't know I want to say over emotional response sometimes, but definitely challenged. It's kind of from what I've heard, it's a way to kind of get up in the balcony and observe yourself a little bit better. What, what kind of mushrooms are, are are you referring to? I mean. I know there's a uh, lot of different psilocybin, ones. right? <laughs> uh, you know, the whatever the magic ones. I'm sure there's lots of different varietals and all that, um, but I'm talking about like the the mental, like the the psychedelics. So no, I haven't. And in, in, in all honesty, for for me, my personality, that's it makes me nervous to to try the psychedelics. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with the research that's coming out and the stuff that I've I've heard about it so far, I'd be open to to considering that. I mean, especially with. Uh, ex-military PTSD, things like that. They're having amazing results. Uh, and by the way, I, on episode 99, I think, with Dr. Heidi, uh, we did mushrooms. <laughs> and how did that go? Uh, she was a giggly mess. She didn't drink any of her wine, but it was pretty fun. 
Yeah, I I heard a little bit about that from uh, from someone else. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it's you who sent me to your store. Okay. Ultimately, so, uh, um, well, anyway, if you, uh, I, I'm not a spirit guide or a shaman or anything like that, but if you want to microdose together sometime, I'm game. <laughs> All right, all right. I'll take I'll take you up for that. Okay, Matt. yeah, we'll, we'll do it right here. Maybe have another podcast. That sounds fun. Let's do that. So I want to hear a few stories. Um, and actually, before we even get into the stories, uh, I'm going to call a short break. Sure. The Loco Experience is sponsored by In Motion, providing next day delivery for local businesses. If you need anything delivered in Northern Colorado, In Motion's flat fee service is a great resource for your business. Delivering from the Wyoming border to Denver and anywhere in between, their clients range from small breweries to real estate companies. InMotion can deliver almost anything you can imagine. If this fits a need for your business, contact InMotion directly by emailing them at InMotionNoCo at gmail.com. That's I-N-M-O-T-I-O-N-N-O-C-O at gmail.com and mention you heard it on the Loco Experience. And we're back. So... When we left off, we were getting ready. I was starting to ask you some questions about some success stories. Like, I, I can't be all just back pain and whatever. Uh, and we all know that CBD is like the miracle cure for every ailment. But, like, what are some of those, like, eyebrow-raising stories that you can share uh, that have been part of your experience since you opened the store? So, one in particular that really, really gets to me, uh, there was a... A young boy, he was he and his family were working through the um, children's hospital. He had some very significant uh, emotional hmm. imbalances. Okay. And ultimately, they had gone through every resource they possibly could, and nobody could help him. Uh, that the children's hospital actually turned them away. Hmm. And, and that obviously is a pretty serious problem. Right. And what ended up happening is a nurse chased them as they were leaving, said, hey, look, I don't know if they can help. At the time, our store was Plenty Pharma. Okay. Uh, we've since changed our name to Plenty Wellness. But said, hey, go there and talk to them, see if there's anything they can do. Hmm. Here's a sliver of hope. A sliver of hope. And and that's, honestly, that's all we needed. Yeah. Um, they came in, and at that point, we pulled out every stop. I mean, we, we needed to figure out what it was going to take. And so we actually put products up. We didn't charge them anything. We just needed to find a solution and then fine-tune it once we... Once we did that, yeah, uh, based on all the questions that we asked, because we want to make sure we're getting the right solution for each. So, is there a lot of research in this that you can refer to, or there is now, but there wasn't hardly then? You were just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticked. There's a lot more now, yeah. Uh, but I was very fortunate with the research. The people that I had, I had spoken with, my uncle, he's a again, we don't use names, but he's a world-renowned surgeon. He's a very, very, very smart man. Yeah, yeah. And so when we come across something that we don't understand, we're able to bring it to him, and he helps <laughs> right, nice. explain what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what's interesting is with this young young man, um, unfortunately, both sets of biological grandparents had gotten divorced, so he had four sets of grandparents. Mm. And he was, his situation was so severe um Ultimately, when we got him on track and got more of a balance for him, yeah, all four sets of grandparents flew out specifically to meet with us. Wow. Because they had all accepted, as much as you possibly can, accepted the fact that this young man was going to take his life. Wow. And so- How okay, old a young man? At the time, 12. Wow. And, and at, in my opinion, at 12, no child yeah. should even have a concept of taking their own life. Yeah. Actually, I kind of did, because right. uh, I, I was, I, I just kind of made a joke about being 
a late puberty, but I had uh, an undescended testicle. Oh, when I was 12, they discovered it for a sports physical. And oh. so they did a, a surgery kind of thing, and then it, it didn't work. It didn't hold. It went back up. And so I had to do it again the next year. And, you know, so, of course, the kids are like one baller and this oh, and that. Sure. And I I came to high school in seventh grade at four foot 11, 100 pounds. And at the end of 10th grade, I was five foot one, 106 pounds. <laughs> wow. So I was Kurt the Squirt, you know, this whole time in a sassy frass and bullied a lot. And, yeah, one I remember one summer I was like, well, after football season because I really like football season. Yeah. You know, and so I was, I guess I was ahead of my curve as well as this young man. And, yeah. you know, looking back on it, you know, I can talk about it right now without even being embarrassed or whatever. It did work the second time. It still rides pretty high. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then, you know, uh, I was blessed that I, I got to be a tall guy. You know, my junior, senior years of high school, I grew six inches a year. And, wow. you know, so I feel like. Thank you. You know, no offense to the shorties out there, but I, I don't have to get my stool out as much. I do hit my head more, you know. Right, right. So anyway, <laughs> I digress. But body. yeah, what a, what a fascinating story um, and really changed, obviously. Was like, how did people know he was in such a dark place? He'd been seeing counselors it, and different things the, like that. Yeah, it, it seemed to have, they got a bigger, bigger picture over time as they were yeah. trying to figure out what was going on. It was getting on. worse and worse and worse the more they threw at it. Yeah. Wow. And so for us, I mean, that's really why we do what we do, but... Just as a side note, we've got a gal. I'm sure I can use her name. Uh, she goes by the name Pickleball Mary. Okay. Um, she plays Pickleball, Pickleball Mary. Mary. Right. <laughs> um, she she's great. She came in. She's she was brave. Uh, she wasn't quite sure what CBD was going to do, if anything. Yeah. And she's very blunt in her testimony, saying, "Chris, I thought you were full of it, completely yeah. full yeah, of yeah. it when we first met." Uh, but I sent her home with a sample, and I said, "Look, put it on," because her knees were so bad she mm. could barely. Uh, get up and down her stairs yeah. i mean if you know she wasn't pickleball, pickleball mary at that time well if you know pickleball they're very very competitive yeah yeah and nothing will stop them so even with her knees she was still gonna play but she was having trouble getting up and down her stairs wow. uh no matter what no matter what she was doing yeah. to try and reduce yeah. the pain and so i said go home put this on watch say a 30 minute show and that's just a, a, a topical that right like a, a cream rub it in yeah so in in some ways it it seems like you know, I think about like the icy hots and stuff like that, um, which is more of a more of like a Tylenol through the skin kind of thing in some respects or whatever. It's a drug more than it is an, a, a kind of a generalist anti-inflammatory. Actually, like that, that feels like the CBD magic sauce. Uh, let me let me actually address that. Sure. Um, let me let me finish with Mary real quick. So sure. Yeah, Mary sorry. went home. No, you're right. She put it on. She watched a 30 minute show, and again, she she still thought I was absolutely full of it. She got up and was able to run up and down her stairs after 30 minutes of letting it soak in. <laughs> and and she, she was just amazed. And so she refers everyone she can possibly talk to to us yeah. because not only do, does CBD work, but she knows that we're going to take care of the clients. I yeah. mean, for us, that's what we do. But what's interesting is my buddy, the chiropractor that helped me with my back, yeah. I asked him, I said, what is it about Icy Hot versus CBD? What What's actually going on yeah, here? Yeah. And he said, well, this is before I had my daughter. He said, if you have a kid one day, and they bump their, their elbow, quickly start rubbing the other elbow. Uh, and I said, okay, well, what's the point? He said, all you're doing is distracting him. You're, you're applying more, <laughs> more information on the other arm, and so that quickly, quickly shifts their mindset from the pain to what you're generating. Interesting. He said, that's essentially what it is. It's a dumb technology, and, and I want to be very clear. I'm not a scientist right. or anything else. But yeah, yeah. Someone may correct me. But he was saying, that's what you're doing. You're putting something on that's so intense that you're, you're 
focus shifts from the pain yeah. to the intensity of the icy hot or whatever you're using. Fascinating. That and, wouldn't shock me. And sometimes when you stop fast focusing on something, it gets better. Just from the lack of attention, right? Oh, like that's you're, it's almost true. your immune system going. It's a, it's a, I got, I hit my elbow. You know, that's interesting. Absolutely true. But what was interesting because I, the reason I asked him about that is one of the products and we still have it. It has a fair amount of menthol in it, so it does have that effect. Uh-huh. But that's how they deliberately formulated it. Sure. They were using that as my chiropractor friend would say, the dumb technology yeah. of just distracting yeah, yeah. you. That distracts you while the CBD works its way in to reduce the inflammation. So by the time. The distraction wears off. Yeah, it, you're actually when your getting, show is done, and you're yeah. When the when the icy wears off, you're like, oh, actually, I'm good. The CBD is actually working. So I want to ask about like launching this store. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- wh- like you need a location, you need inventory. Were you at your current location then? Um, like what? How much planning did you do? Uh, you know, it seemed like you weren't. You know, you didn't have. $200,000 to buy inventory with and hire a couple of helpers or whatever. We built it from the ground up. And the truth, the truth of the matter is, is I was so focused on what it did for me and for my father and for other people. To be honest with you, I didn't do any planning whatsoever. Okay. I, I literally fell into it. <laughs> yeah. Did you rent a space? So the gentleman who educated me on CBD, he had another business and he wanted to focus more on that. So I ended up just acquiring what was really more of a head shop at the time. Okay. And and I didn't want to focus on any of that. I wanted to focus on health and wellness yeah, and the effectiveness yeah. of CBD. Oh, so you basically rebranded a, a head shop to be a CBD shop yes. instead. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, had to get the inventory and build the brand and all that kind of stuff. We just built it over time. Yeah. So. Um, what's that, what's the marketplace been like? My guess is that it was probably something where it was, more lucrative right away when you were the only game in town, but then as everybody starts the CBD shop, it's more challenging to set apart. And plus, I know your quality criteria is really high, so is that challenging in terms of margins and stuff? Uh, yes. Yeah, so all of the uh, above. Sorry, all, I asked no, three questions no, no, at a time. Okay. That's my favorite. You're absolutely right. So it's been it's been a challenge because initially, yes, we were the only uh, outlet for CBD, and so. We've fortunately been able to retain our customers because of the quality and the customer service that we provide. That's been a huge uh, game uh, game changer for us. But at the same time, with everyone else jumping into the marketplace, and this isn't the case for everyone, but with so many people jumping in, everyone was trying to race for the bottom of the barrel to sell the cheapest stuff as quickly as possible. Hmm. And I just, I refuse to do that. We want to focus on absolute quality. And like you mentioned, our quality standards are are extremely high. While we take care of our customers, we do not argue with them. We always take care of our customers. That's just what we do. But what's interesting on top of that is I tend to, I've learned I have a reputation apparently as a bully in the industry when it comes to manufacturers. What they've learned is you need to have your I's dotted and your T's crossed perfectly before you walk in my front door. Because I'm going to grill you on everything. I want to know where it's from. I want to see lab tests. I'm going to verify everything. There was even a time when there were so many people in the industry that were questionable. We were running criminal background checks Wow. Um, on founders of companies. And believe it or not, that was a pretty easy question to filter. <laughs> right. Will you let us do a background check? And if they said no, right. we automatically wouldn't talk with them. Yeah, you didn't even have to then spend right. the money. Um, what, like, What makes the difference? Is it about the base... Because uh, I, I assume that CBD is mostly extracted from non-THC hemp. Then is that true, or like where does it come from, and how do you 
how do you separate it? So, and, and maybe you don't know that much about it, and you're no, more about the retail side. But oh no, 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 we 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 do. Seems likely. So for us, really, what what it boils down to, even before the plant, is the field. We want to know where it's coming from, and what most consumers do not know about the hemp plant is it's a bioaccumulator. Hmm. So what that means is, if you plant hmm. that in a dirty field with heavy metals, pesticides, and contaminants like that. It's it can pick pull it out of up. there, Correct. yeah, kind of like fish pulling mercury out of the ocean or whatever. That's exactly right, hmm. and so that's why we we I'm kind of proud of being seen as a bully when it comes to manufacturers. Yeah, I see myself as a shield to protect my clients, and I will not let anything through that shouldn't get through. As a result of that, um, we don't carry lots and lots of brands because there there just aren't that many that meet our extremely high standards. Hmm. But at the same time. Um, like you said, the base, if you understand that the, the oil is clean and you've, you've got the third party results to prove that that's going to mean you're going to get a much higher quality product. And the reason it's so important from a cleanliness standpoint and contaminants, because if those contaminants end up with, end up in your product, it may work for you really, really well, but long-term putting those contaminants in your body, you're going to have other health issues. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have like taking Tylenol twice a day for <laughs> too much. That, that's right. But even beyond that is the, the medical expense of correcting the issues that those toxins are causing is going to be through the roof. Mm. I mean, Western care is very expensive. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and so, so it, it does come down to the soil, the, the plant, but consistency as well. There have been products that early on I was learning that were not consistent in the potency our mm. customers expect us to make sure that they're getting what they're paying for. Yeah, you're like, I did 200 milligrams of this thing, <laughs> and it worked great. 200 milligrams of this other thing didn't work as good That's or whatever. Right. You just learn through experience and feedback from your cl- customers and stuff. Yeah, and it, it, it does come down to the genetics. I had one gentleman come in. Mm. Let's be honest. We're, we're As a society, we're, we're kind of from all over. No one is really just one thing right, or, or right, right. From, from one place. And this gentleman came in, he swore he was German 100%. He swore it up and down. And, and being friendly, I said, look, I, I doubt that, but the, the, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll run with it. And he, he swore that he knew which capsules he wanted to use. But based on the genetic information we had, I told him, I said, if you're 100% German, these aren't going to work for you. Hmm. He didn't believe me. He insisted on buying them. He came back a week later and said, how'd you know? <laughs> hmm. And and and. He took them and they did nothing for him. So by shifting to a different brand, he noticed a massive change as far hmm. as the pain that he was dealing with. And how do you know those markers? Is it just trial and error or is there actual different blendings? And Because di- there's different kinds of CBD even, right? Like there's like CBD A and B and different things too? Or There's there's no. different mo- molecules and, and okay. different different structures. Um, but what was interesting with in his case specifically to kind of answer your question we don't know exactly what it was, but we ask a lot of questions of our clients, and this allows yeah. us to make more tailored recommendations. But when we ask the question, we don't just say, oh, okay, well, that's nice information. Out the door you go. We actually sit down as a team, and we, we want to analyze that, and that's why. You know, like case studies and tracking outcomes and things like that. Absolutely. So when does the buzz screen things come to be a part of this? We already kind of hinted toward the, the necessity of finding customers better or whatever. Um, talk to me about like that idea and sure. where did that grow? So, uh, just backing up a little bit, just myself sure. as a consumer, like the rest of us, I hate advertising. You know, I, we recently cut our cable at home. Nice. Um, but for probably three years, I never watched anything live. If I knew I wanted to watch something, I recorded it so I could deliberately <laughs> skip the ads. That's fair. 
And so, so you know, we're, we're real people too. We don't expect people to enjoy advertising. Yeah. Um, same thing if I'm listening to streaming audio and I'm not paying for it, I'm getting ads and I yeah. don't want to hear yeah, those yeah. ads. <laughs> and so that's why as a society we're paying for uh, our streaming services. <laughs> we have Paramount Plus now. We just got connection and so we've got, you know, a few channels that we pay for, but mostly we just kind of rejected the networks and stuff. Yeah. And those sons of bitches are showing us more commercials than the networks were now. <laughs> After I pay them. And why do you think they're doing that? Well, so they can make more money. I don't know. Because, because the traditional channels don't work anymore. Right. The, the, I mean, right. they make more money through advertising than they do through your subscription. Right. And so, and that's one thing that we, we did a lot of research into this. And through our store, we've spent a fortune on print and other channels that just never paid off. Right. Uh, so what we ended up doing Bus screens actually goes back about 13 years. Oh. Uh, when I was living in Southern California in Simi Valley. Okay. I saw multiple businesses that were putting literally Best Buy retail TVs sure. in businesses, and they were trying to sell advertising. Right, right. They were smart in the sense that they knew they needed to do more than advertising. They needed to do content. Yep. But the technology and the solutions were not there at the time to provide pro, um, programmatic content yep. so they spent more yep. time updating their content than selling ads right, right. Their business. right right fortunately i noticed that quickly and so what we've done is we built a, a solution where we're able to do sports news trivia all kinds of content onto our screens um programmatically so it, it updates on its own we don't have to worry about mm. that but then we can focus on the local businesses and and that's really what buzz screens does but how it came about Oh boy, it's a long road. COVID, <laughs> COVID did a lot of damage to a lot of people, a yeah. lot of businesses. Yeah, yeah. Um, to save everyone the hassle, my business partner and I were focused on automated retail kiosks with mm. screens for advertising, and then due to supply lines and getting hardware and stuff like that, it didn't make sense to pursue automated retail, yep. but to pursue visibility for local businesses. Mm-hmm. And so that's really so the pivot shortened version. Yep, yep. And your partner is John? Uh, Dan Porter. Dan. Dan yep. Porter. Yeah. And so how do you guys divvy the duties at Buzz Screens? And, and what's that look like, really? I think you're in, what is it, 25 or so? 25 locations. Locations? Uh, actually, by the time you get back to the office, it might be 30 today. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not a nice big burst. <laughs> That's right. Um, so it's really kind of a personality. Uh, it, it, based on personality is kind of how Dan and I do that. Okay. Uh, he's an engineer through and through. He is very, very diligent, and so uh, what we've identified, and I say this very humbly, but he refers to me as a visionary. Yeah. He lets me set the direction of where we're heading, what we're doing, and he makes it happen. Yeah. So as far as the software- You're the key relationships guy and stuff like that probably, but actually making it all work. Making it all work. But at the same time, while I like to socialize with people, I learned years ago that I'm not- People are better to, to meet me in person. Yeah. Rather than email, someone very sure. bluntly said, "Chris, you are not very pleasant by email," <laughs> and it's it's yeah. not that I mean. I'm just very to the point. <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, probably uh, accurate a little bit. Like right? even your email follow up, I was like, "Eh, you know, I'll get to it when I get to it." <laughs> and, and, and and that's things I, I don't mean to be that way because there are times when, uh, depending on what we're doing, because right now we're currently actually uh, interviewing some investors as we expand Buzz Screens. Um, I needed Dan to sit down and look at the email I wrote this morning to verify it was acceptable. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> we do that a lot around here too, just for, it's hard to see your own mistakes, you know? And so yeah. if there's something going out to a broad audience, it's like, you know, part of the rule here is 
at least one second set of eyes looks over it first to make sure you don't say anything dumb. Well, and that's that. That's exactly. Or right. just blunt or whatever, right? Like, could you say that a little bit nicer? Right. I I genuinely care, but I mean, I'd rather get onto a phone call or a video call. Yep. And and genuinely care for someone. Email makes it very hard for me to express that. I'm not a big writer. Yeah. So the vision for bud screens would be both to get, you know, get that to become one of the go-to advertising venues for lots of small business. I assume you've got, you know, you could sell twice as many spots as you've sold so far and still be okay on your content-wise and stuff. Yeah. So, but then more locations. More locations. So what we've done is. We wanted we wanted there to be a balance. That's not all ads. Mm-hmm. Um, even Otherwise, again, nobody will look at it. That's right. I mean, they'll look at it initially, but they're going to eventually tune it out. Um, but we do sports news, trivia, and what's interesting is the way we've designed our content is we we run content and then we provide our software opportunities to play ads, and so it's not going to feed oh. 10, 20, 30 ads in a row. We want to just kind of sprinkle it in. Because, again, as a business, we also want to make sure that our clients that are advertising with us are getting consistent visibility over time, and we're not just dropping it all at once. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's about uh, delivering their message on a regular basis. Well, it's not just a, like a one-second screenshot either, right? It's like a 10 up to 30-second kind of a thing? 10 and seconds, 15 seconds, and 30. So really what you that is. You little animations or things even. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we do full uh, advertising. Uh, it's it's We can go as as high end as a regular TV ad. The only difference is we don't do audio. Because, That's what I was going to say. Yeah. No sound, right? Yeah. Because of where we are, we don't want to compete with the ambiance and whatnot. Yeah. It's about visibility, but the feedback we've gotten from some of our clients is incredible. So one of our, one of our clients, um, he, he hosts one of our screens, but he had opened up a new location, um, about a year and a half ago. And as a result of COVID people thought his business had gone yeah, had, had they didn't closed. get the memo that he moved. They thought he just disappeared. Yeah, and so, I mean, things were very slow for them. So he hosts one of our screens, and what we've done with him is, in exchange, we run ads for his business, and after a week and a half of only of having our screen in there and running his ad, we went in to, to do a hardware uh, adjustment, and he said, guys, if even a quarter of what happened last weekend is from you guys, it's hands down worth it. Oh, cool. Um, because we got his name out there, and let's be honest, for those of us like myself that are foodies, all you gotta do is just show me a picture Sometimes. and where to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Agreed. <laughs> and it, it ended up driving a lot of traffic for him, so much so that he's uh, purchased a location to expand his, his oh, wow. operation. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I think it's a good venue, especially for you know, uh, for me for local think tank and. and Full disclosure: I haven't signed anything yet. I think we're gonna. I'm gonna sharpen this pencil just a little bit, but you'll probably see my ads there before too long. But be, because, you know, you're not in Fort Collins yet, but that's okay. Everybody in Fort Collins has heard of me, in Loveland and in Johnstown and in Berthoud and in you know a lot of places where you have a, the majority of your screens. I'm not famous, and so <laughs> we'll make you famous. Yeah, and we can advertise the podcast. We can advertise local think tank. You know, we can help people become aware that we exist. And that's that's really the benefit here is what what we like to do with our with new clients is we want to first introduce them to the community, you know it's not about hey go buy this, learn who right. we are, what right, right. do we what what makes us special. And so unique. it's all educational, right? There's there's weather, there's sports, there's hey, did you know this business does this thing? That's you exactly. might not have known that before. So it's funny you say that. A gal that works for us, she was actually looking at one of our screens for a good 15, 20 minutes, and actually asked my business partner Dan, where are the ads? She didn't. She didn't see any of the ads. Hmm. 
because they don't feel like ads. We want to deliver the content <laughs> right, and right. information in a way that's informative. Yeah, yeah. You know, because let's be honest, whether we're listening to music or trying to watch a TV show, it they, they feel aggressive of, hey, yeah. it's, it's dinner time, it's pizza, it. call us right now. We don't want to do that. We well, I've got a good instinct out. about it. I, I, I've, as a banker, I was, I was about, I don't know, probably about 95 and 2 in terms of my win-loss records on startup financing. And not that you're looking for financing or whatever, but like I can spot a winner when I see it in terms of a product market fit and somebody that's willing to do the work to make it persevere and get sustainable. Um, you know, in your case, it's a lot of upfront investments, got to buy a bunch of expensive TVs and they sh- should last quite a while, you know? So if you can get that numbers up and then get it be a place where the cool kids are advertising there regularly, then gosh, the, the, the operating leverage is huge. Do you want to be our salesman? <laughs> I probably should. <laughs> <laughs> I could write your emails. <laughs> there you go. That's, I mean, you, you nailed it. And, and that's the thing for us is there's, I wouldn't say direct competition, but there is a little bit of competition out there. But what they're doing is they're just plugging devices into regular consumer grade TVs that are not built or designed for this. Mm. And so they fail, they burn out. All right. Our screens, I mean, there's a few locations we've put them in next to more traditional screens, and, and I, I kind of feel bad because... Yours looks so much nicer. It looks like all the other screens are dying. <laughs> well, maybe you should get into a side hustle of just selling new screens for people to... It's, it's not a bad idea. I mean, we... And the reason I, mean, I assume have... you got some bulk volume buying opportunities and things like that. Oh, yeah. Well, hookup, insider hookups from Best Buy, <laughs> stuff like that. We, we, we do use the absolute best uh, hardware, and that's that's really what what's key for us, is setting the infrastructure right, because... I, I've been an advertiser myself as far as print or whatever. I want to know that whatever channel I'm using, I'm getting the best. Yeah. And that's what we've done. And I, what's incredible is we've got host locations that ask, well, do I have to turn this on? What do I, what's my commitment? Yeah. Absolutely zero. Our, we, we run such powerful equipment that it turns on when it's supposed to, it turns off when it's supposed to. Hmm. It will actually notify us if it senses a problem. Hmm. Well, that's awesome. Well, good luck on that. I really think there's a lot of opportunity there and, uh, you know, if I had more money, I could be one of those investors potentially, but instead I'll probably just be a buyer first. So, All right. um, anything like if you were going to, cause it's been not a long journey for you, I guess about six, seven years, six and a half years, probably since you really had your start in entrepreneurism. Um, what would be one or two of the key lessons that, uh, you've come away with, whether you learned them in an instant or beat your head against that problem for a while and then finally... Always, always, always find a mentor. Mm. You always need a mentor. Always, always bounce concepts, ideas off of someone who's been there, who's done that. Yeah, that would be. It, trust me, it's going to save you stress and a lot of money. Well, and you're an idea generator, it sounds like, and so you probably have the condition like me, where at least half of my ideas are really either not doable or not prudent right now. I, I would maybe agree three with that. quarters, right? But that's that's where I think Loco really comes into the picture for sure is is working with people that that know that have been there and done that because in hindsight there are so many decisions that I made that I like you said it wasn't the right time <laughs> it was too expensive I didn't have the right perspective on it yeah and so by being able to ask other people what channels to uh, how to approach it and looking at it different from a different perspective than you yeah oh man if I could do things over. 
Yeah, for those <laughs> listening, this is a pre-consummation of Chris becoming a member of Local Think Tank as well. So we'll That's see right. <laughs> how that conversation goes. But but I'd like to say, uh, you know, it's nice to learn from other people's mistakes sometimes instead of just your own. And most of us that have made those mistakes, we want to share that. Oh, yeah. I don't want anyone to go through what I went Well, through. that's why people join Loco Think Tank is to be helped a lot of times. But why they stay is the joy that they feel when they've helped somebody else avoid the same dumbass mistake that they made twice, <laughs> you I, know, or whatever. I completely agree. That, that would be really one of the biggest things is to always have a mentor uh, and, and to, to really put them to use. I mean, yeah. I had a gentleman just over the weekend uh, reach out to me that I have a lot of respect for. He's offering to mentor me. Nice. And what was interesting is he he offered it to me through my business partner to make sure he didn't hurt my feelings. Hmm. And I said, well, maybe you don't know me that well. I will always be a student. Yeah, fair. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what uh, what do you hope happens next for BuzzScreen? Sounds like you want to go to a significant expansion with uh, a lot more hardware and geographic expansion. So we are we're currently interviewing a couple of uh, investors that have that have seen what we're doing. They understand that with our model, it's an upfront investment yep, from an yep. infrastructure standpoint. But after that, right f- from their perspective, it, it it gets very good. Yeah. Um. So that would really be the next steps for us as far as is finding those new investors or securing the ones that we're talking to, and expanding across the state. And just before I came in, I was uh, working on a spreadsheet. We're looking at all all the states across the country, figuring out what the demand is, what the potential is, yeah, um, and being able to put numbers to that. Wow! So you want to go big? Oh, the U.S. is just the start. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Godspeed. I hope you can uh, pursue some of those dreams and make them happen. Um, are you ready for the closing segments? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, faith, family, and politics. We always talk about all three. Um, do you know where you prefer to start in that? Let's start with family. I think okay. it's going to lay the, the foundation for for the rest. Yeah, fair. Um, so you've talked about um, your dad and your your family and and that background, um, as well as, I'm sorry, I misplaced your wife's name. Rachel. Rachel, yeah. Uh, and your daughter? Grace. Grace. Um, we might as well just start with the hardest question in the family segment. Uh, do you have a one-word description for Grace? And can you describe her a little bit beyond that too? Boy, that one word description, that's tough. One word, baby. To be honest with you, and I'll explain why, the word would be grace. Hmm. Um, sorry, I be just emotional about it. My, my yeah. daughter is, is everything to me. What I didn't share earlier um, about my childhood is I was an abused kid. Hmm. And... Um, it, that 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 has had a, a huge dad. impact on no, no actually it wasn't and and that's where that's why I wasn't quite sure how to word that yeah it wasn't it wasn't my father uh yeah. there, there's there's a lot of family history there uh, my father was a golden gloves champion boxer oh wow um as far as what happened between my parents when i was little i don't know um i know my father be a very gentle man mm. um i understand my mom was a single parent with three kids. My, mm. my, it wasn't, my father wasn't a criminal. It was nothing along those lines. Ultimately it was claims from my mother that caused oh, wow. her family to ask my father to leave. Wow. And my mom, I understand doesn't justify it, but she was under stress all the time with three kids trying to keep a roof over her head, food on the table. Sure. Uh, but regardless, I was an abused kid. 
And that's why I wanted to kind of set the foundation from family first. Yeah. Um, my daughter, when my wife and I were talking about names and everything else, I grew up in a, despite the abuse, I grew up in a Christian non-denominational home, okay. uh, church, I'll say. And um, when we were talking about names, and I, I said, well, how about the name Grace? My wife realized very quickly I was not willing to shift on that. <laughs> so if we have kid number two, I will have no say in that name, I am sure. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but the reason I love the name Grace, and it suits her so well, is I've been shown so much grace in my life. And, and that's one thing, um, maybe it comes off as selfish, I don't know, but it, it reminds me, despite my upbringing, um, that I need to be very aware of the grace I've been shown hmm. and to show that to my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I've had conversations with my mom that she doesn't understand what that abuse has done to me as an adult and how that impacts me and how I have to work every day to make sure I don't continue that yeah. cycle. And it yeah, was yeah. fortunately one cycle because I know she was not abused. Yeah. And so it, it's important to, for me to make sure that my daughter has a real childhood. Well, and you know, you were just talking about being suicidal not too many years before she was born. And, you know, right. and so even that grace of her own existence uh, and having loving parents that are, you know, raising her together and committed. So um, how old is she now? She's three and a half. Okay. And, it, again, it's it's incredible. And, and one of the things, as you were saying, you know, having parents that are raising her together that are, that are loving and, and do care for her and provide, it – it's difficult uh, to explain this, but I told my wife, I said, there are times, and I'm sure that she, she notices it when I almost seem out of body, when I'm watching my daughter run around the house and play, because I don't know what that, that freedom and that security is like, knowing mm. that I can play and scream and make noise and whatever else and not get in trouble. And so yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting for me watching my daughter, Grace, live life to the fullest, yeah. and I don't know what that's like, yeah. at, at least as a child. Well, and, you know, it's even like your dad never knew that either. Right. That's that's a good point, actually. I've never looked at it from that perspective. Yeah. Um, what uh, is, is your wife a, a stay-at-home mom right now, or does she have her own pursuits? That's a 50-50. Uh, <laughs> a little bit here and there? We, we're both uh, entrepreneurs. So, okay. So she's a photographer. She owns Lumen Creative. Oh, okay. Um, she does uh, branding photography for, for businesses and social media management. Oh, great. Did she do all your branding for Plenty Wellness and stuff like that? She's done a lot of it. The That's truth fair. is it'd be uh, probably some what would look like warehouse shelving and products if it were up to me. <laughs> she makes you look pretty. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will apologize in advance. We have a lot of fake plants in the store. That's because I can't keep them alive. Yeah. Uh, if my wife were in the store a bit more, we'd have live plants. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that money tree behind you. I, I had a windowless office for two full years and it was only like 16 inches tall. And then I moved into another office that had finally had sun and it sprung up to a six footer. And Well, what you're pointing out is, is I don't have an excuse. I've got so much daylight. You do. I was thinking about star. your store. It's beautiful in there. <laughs> well, if I, if you weren't so far away from me, I would offer to be your plant tender, but, uh, and it is healthy by the way, you would love the feeling of real oxygen generators in your building so uh, i think you convinced me i'm gonna have to figure it out and, and schedule it <laughs> we'll, we'll on my calendar out. we can just get you <laughs> plants that are very drought resistant and over water resistant that's perfect you tell me what they are <laughs> and, i'll get them <laughs> you stick your finger in there and feel how what the dirt is before you put more on <laughs> that's that's the secret the, the, the one we 
just from some people that, that we work with, we do have a few live plants, but one of the things that I do have from my father, he passed in, in 2018, is his peace lily. Oh. Those things oh, are resilient. They are resilient. <laughs> they can look like dog crap, and you give them some attention for two months, and they're, like, beautiful again. That's exactly right. That's the one plant I've been able to keep alive. <laughs> Good job. Good job. That could be a long timer for you. Yeah. Um, what are you guys thinking about uh, having another one? You're still young That's, enough to uh, get for a little while. Not my business. I have to be careful. Um, we don't know. <laughs> You're down. I, I I do like the idea of another one, yeah. um, but the truth of the matter is, just the way everything's been over the last few years, we want to make sure that we have a, a very stable yeah. foundation right. before we commit. To you guys are both building. You're building something new as well as the existing. So yeah, I feel you. It's a oh, uh, it's a challenge. This might get me in trouble, but my wife and I we're going to circle back around and have a conversation at the end of this year. All right. Towards the end of the year. Well, Rachel, life, you know, for what it's worth, uh, the kids are good. Right. <laughs> so uh, anything else in that sphere of family? It sounds like you've had, even though there were some challenges, you know, here and there, you've also have had extended family that loved on you and took you on adventures and different things like that and guided you in the medical areas. And Yeah. I've, I've, been, I've been very fortunate. I had, I've, I've had a lot of good people throughout the years that have been able to guide me and show me what is normal versus what is what what was normal for for me in my house yeah show me what that that's not normal that's not okay uh that have really been there as mentors for me um and and i'm very humble about it you know my business partner dan he's a very very good man he's got an incredible relationship with his family i'm not afraid to call him yeah at all hours of the night trust me i've done it (laughs) Where I'm frustrated with my daughter or even, even from a marriage standpoint of saying, look, man to man, what do I do here? I don't know what to do. Yeah. And I think uh, collectively, whether it be family, kids, I think if more people are willing to just reach out and ask for One help. One of the smartest things you can ever say is, I don't know what to do. And that's the, and that's what's great is we, we all need that person. But for me, Dan is that person. I know he's not okay. going to judge, cool. but he's just there in a very loving way to say, hey, Maybe try this. So uh, when we first met and I walked into your store, uh, the first thing I noticed was uh, that you had a great smile and seemed really friendly. And then I noticed you were a black fellow too, which we don't have that many of here. Uh, is your family, are, are both your parents black? No, or are actually, you mixed my, race? My, my, father's, my father was black. My mom is white. Okay. Um, I Just real quick, uh, sure. a, a client that was in the store a number of years ago, my wife was in a back office. She couldn't be seen from the sales floor. Yeah. A gal came in. Uh, long story short, she's from North Dakota, grew up most of her life in North Dakota, Okay. left North Dakota, went to a store, and if you're Norwegian, you should know what Lefse is. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm from North Dakota, so okay. I've eaten a lot of Lefse. That's right. So you know what Lefse is. She she went to a store and, and saw this huge display and thought it was all this Lefse. Typically, you don't find a lot of Lefse anywhere. Right. It's it's difficult to make. It looks a lot like tortillas, though. It looks like tortillas. That's right. And this gal was so excited because she thought it was all Lefse. Someone said... <laughs> What's lefsa? Those are tortillas. And she didn't know what it was. And I hadn't told her I was Norwegian at this point. She was just telling me this story. And I started laughing. She said, you know what lefsa is? I said, well, yeah, I'm Norwegian. And she <laughs> looked me up and down <laughs> and said, That's you awesome. are the most exotic Norwegian I've ever met. <laughs> and I could hear my wife doing everything she could to, to, to not laugh out loud uh, in this back office. And wonderful customer. We, we have a great relationship. Um, she ended up leaving and my wife just laughed and laughed. <laughs> I have five half sisters. Oh wow. All of which have their own kids. Oh wow. Some of which have their own kids now. Oh wow. So my wife 
with the sense of humor she has, she decided to tell all of them that I'm super exotic. <laughs> a super exotic Norwegian. Right. So now when I get emails or text messages or, or cards from my family, they all say to the most exotic Chris Cox. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so um, was that because I'm from North Dakota too. Like we, we, we had like four black people in North right. Dakota when I was growing up and we've got like 15 in Fort Collins. So I've only met four of them so right. far. <laughs> um, but like, what was that like in, in Minneapolis? I assume it was probably a nothing burger. It was, it was really, it was really a nothing burger. And for me, my father over growing up, I mean, what sometimes he was, he lived in Alabama. Other times he was in. Minnesota, so he was gone but, much of your growing up years. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was he was working and, and building things. Um, but for me specifically, I grew up with my mom on my mom's side of the family, right. and so race has never really been much of an issue for me. I've never, I guess, I've really. Never I'm not thinking about within it. the family, but how about within the, the schools and things, or not necessarily. For me personally, and this never, is probably more of a personal. Person. Yeah, I'm just curious, really, yeah. your experience. Yeah, I, I've had, I've been, I've noticed some differences, but I don't let it get to me because of my godmother. Her name is June. She ran a daycare for 40 plus years. Wonderful, wonderful lady. And she, she instilled a lot of things in me. And she said, look, she said, how you respond, how someone responds to you is out of your control. Hmm. The one thing you can control is how you respond. I like it. And she, she always told me very accountable to that. Um, and the truth is, yes, I've been mistreated. I've, I've had different experiences, Yeah. but what's interesting is it's, and this kind of starts moving over into the political stuff. Um, there have been experiences where people judge me or make assumptions about me based on the, the color of my skin without any knowledge of my thought process, my sure. background, what I do. And that's where it gets very, very difficult. Yeah. That's fair. That's so fair. I, I've had a great experience here in Northern Colorado and yeah, it was, I was my, yeah. where I went next. Where like, has it been, is your wife white, black, so Asian, Good question. <laughs> um, in general, my, my wife is is white. Okay. Um, but she's actually Filipino. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, just um, she she looks white. Um, her mom is is white. Her father is Filipino, but he's that. Uh, I don't I don't recall what Dwayne the Rock Johnson is. Oh, uh, he's a Filipino background too. I something like that, but he's just a big guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's essentially my wife's dad. Oh, is that right? He's a really, really big guy. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> he's, he's so more like Samoan Filipino. Something like, there you go. <laughs> right, right. Something like that. Um, he's one of those guys that he, he doesn't even realize how strong he is. I mean, mm, he's, yeah, yeah. he's a big guy. Um, my wife is actually Filipino as well. And I will tell you guys this. I hope it doesn't get me in trouble with my wife. Um, there's a new movie out, uh, and it's a, it's an adventure and I can't recall who's in it, but they start talking about Magellan. Okay. Apparently my wife learned through some ancestors on her father's side. Apparently it's her ancestors that killed Magellan on the beach. Oh, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's pretty, I think that's a prideful thing a little bit. I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, look who I'm married to now. <laughs> <laughs> I love my wife very, very much. I'm just saying, we're watching this movie, and out of nowhere, she pauses it because they'd mentioned Magellan. She goes, "Oh yeah, hey, by the way, I learned that <laughs> my, my family is so... <laughs> they eliminated Magellan." <laughs> and I sat there, kind of in shock, like, "Really? Not you're telling me this now? 
you could have told me this before the wedding. Like, what did I marry into? <laughs> well, you know, and I shouldn't probably give credit for killing of people and sure, stuff. Sure. But, like, if you, when I think about Cortez and the conquistadors and different things like that, like, they were they were real son of a bitches. Right. You know, all across South America and Central America yeah. and, and whatever. So, whatever. I, I'm not maybe, justified. I'm just saying. Maybe Magellan was cooler. Learning that all of a sudden. Caused me to question a few decisions in my life. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, well, let's move into politics sure. a little bit more. Um, how should things be better? Uh, that's a big question. But where are we at in the world? We got, you know, a week ago or so, uh, uh, Orange Man was indicted for a bunch of inappropriate payments, apparently, and things like that. It's a... Uh, yeah. Considering I'm not a lawyer, I, I I'll I'm gonna stay away from that just because I I don't I don't know I don't want to say something wrong. So that's the that. national stage anyway, and it seems like they're just playing. Uh, I think a lot gotcha. of gotcha. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think a lot of thing, things right now are politicized that that really shouldn't that just right. shouldn't be across the board. I'm not justifying paying someone off or, or what whatever it may be. Right. Right. But specifically, one thing I would like to talk on is is children. You know, okay. children should not be pawns. I mean, mm. speaking for myself, between my parents, I was a pawn. Yeah. And that just isn't acceptable. Even my wife and I, because of, you know, family dynamics on her side, when we started dating and started discussing marriage, we even had that discussion that if for any reason we mm. are having issues, whatever else, our children are not to be a pawn. Yeah. Because we, we both went through that. Yeah. Um, and so it's just one of those things. But as far as politics go, and, and you'd asked about, you know, me being black, um, it's, it's, it's frustrating because in, for myself, I believe everyone should have their own view. And a, a, that's quite often built based on their life experiences sure. things they've gone through and it doesn't make them wrong. Yeah. In my opinion, what, where, where someone is crossing the line, whether left, right or center, it doesn't matter is when you start telling someone they're wrong. I think we need to spend more time listening than shouting at each other. Mm. Because years ago, I was talking to a gal I worked with, and she and I did not agree politically on anything. Call it God, call it the universe, call it whatever you want. Something told me to just shut up. Okay. Just ask her what her views are and stop talking. And I asked her, and it was incredible. I didn't say a word, and she went on telling me about her childhood, what had happened, how uh, how the, the state, the government had provided for her, and how she got through. Mm-hmm. And it was a wake up call for me, like just yeah. And you're like, uh, yeah. You can't dispute that. Totally. You know, it's someone else's life experience, and I think if we take the time to listen to one another, you don't have to agree with them. Well, I think it's only natural that we would have different values. Right. I was just out in San Francisco with a, a very progressive liberal friend that I've known for 20 years, and uh, she was talking about how. Basically, she was making the claim that, you know, San Francisco having, like, a ban on all plastic straws was, like, the right thing for everybody. And uh, and it was started to be sparked by Jill going, this freaking paper straw, these things suck. You, know, you can sip it for a little bit, then it collapses, and then you don't really have a straw anymore. you got to drink it for the cup. And I was like, you know, really, Laura, like, we just took a boat ride on this amazing bay here, and we're on the ocean, and... You know, San Francisco has got enough wealth and all this surrounding region and enough invested to keep that bay amazingly spotlessly clean. And and they can tolerate crappy paper straws that cost 10 times as much because of it. 
in North Dakota, like the chances of a of a straw in North Dakota making it to the ocean in in California if it's thrown away properly, right, is like almost zero. And so why should they have to pay ten times as much to have a crappier product? And you know, I, lead the way, yeah, and no. recognize that North Dakota don't want to buy no paper straws. And and I and I agree with you. And, and you know, as I tell people, look, I would never chain myself to a tree. You know, I, I understand the economics of it, of needing lumber and how, how all that translates. But at the end of the day, we do need to take better care of our environment. I'm yeah. fully on board with that. But we need to stop with these quick shifts and adjustments of, hey, let's let's buy all these electric vehicles. You might want to look at the foundation and the infrastructure needed to support oh, that right. first. Oh, can the grid handle that? Right. Well, and I've heard parking garages now, too. Like, if you fill parking garages up with all these heavy electric battery cars they're not going to be strong enough. Oh, that's interesting. Because like a small electric car weighs twice as much as a small gas-powered car. It's it's thinking the stuff through that, you know, I do The unintended consequences of... One of the ways I like to rephrase the the politics question sometimes is to go, instead of left-right, go authoritarian-libertarian. You know, are you the kind of person that would like to see most people just take care of their own business and have a very uh, small thing? Or do you want to be told what to do if you're going to ask it that way i'd say libertarian i'm (laughs) I'm of the belief that people can make decisions for themselves we don't need to be told what to do and and that that goes across so many different um so many different categories and subjects Mm -hmm. that that especially over the last few years but most small business owners are doing things right and and we've got this. There seems yeah, they have an this, intention to maintain their reputation. To uh, absolutely, and and give back. I mean, and genuinely totally. take care of people. But we've got so many young people that are of this belief that if you own a business, you're taking advantage of your employees. <laughs> right. Try, tr- come on, come on around the counter. You start. Let me, let me show you the other side. <laughs> yeah. You know, and what this actually takes. I mean, you know, for for a very very long time, and even still to a degree, I take care of. Excuse me. Let me rephrase that. So. As a small business owner, my wife and I could barely put food on the table for years because we were taking care of our employees. And as the business grows, we're able to provide a little bit better for ourselves as well. But we always made sure our employees got paid first. There were many, many times when we didn't get a paycheck. Sure. And that's what people don't seem to understand. There's a difference, and I'm not saying go after the large corporations, but there's a difference between a small family-owned business and a large corporation. For sure. You know, and and they seem to be demonizing everybody, and that capitalism is a bad thing. Capitalism, just like any other ism, has its problems. Right. Well, and most small business people aren't really capitalists. <laughs> they're they're merchants. You know, because the capitalists have a lot of capital. That's a very good point. You know, if you got a ton of capital, if you got twenty million dollars, you can just buy three apartment buildings and have plenty of cash flow. If you know, I had twenty not, million dollars, I'd be out fishing today. Right, something else <laughs> other than this. Yeah, right. But right. that's when 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 capital really makes a difference is just by having it. You know, it, you can just kind of make returns. And and I, I I can't speak for every business owner, but one thing that I've learned as a small business owner is there's feast and famine. Sometimes you've got a little extra for food. Sometimes <laughs> you have a hard time putting food on the table. Yeah. But the, at the end of the day, I like the freedom and flexibility to be able to manage my schedule a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And that's why I keep doing it because the truth is some days it'd be easier just to go get a job. Sure. And you'd probably make more money. Oh, I can tell you I would. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, anything else in the space of politics that you'd like to spend time on? Um, we've got like the local minimum wage laws coming up for 
consideration here in Fort Collins. I don't know if you saw that on the radar, but yeah, we're no. What are they, what are they saying in Fort Collins? Uh, they want to do like a, a like a fifteen to seventeen dollar local minimum wage, um, because it just costs more to live in Fort Collins, and so to which you know the chamber. I read their article response yesterday, which was basically you know that sounds really good, but then all the nineteen dollar an hour people want twenty one, and all the twenty one dollar people want 24 and it just there isn't we can't raise prices more inflation's already bad and so do you want us to lay people off and that's that's the thing is it's it's a cascading effect you know i being really blunt you know i i took an employee from i think 14 hour to 18 an hour Mm. years ago and and i'm glad i was able to do that um but in hindsight the expectation kept becoming more and more and more right right Without them looking behind the curtain and understanding what are my costs. Well, and the marketplace has to factor in. I actually just had a conversation with a friend who parted ways with a fairly, you know, maybe a five or seven, probably a seven-year fairly key employee. Mm -hmm. Um, And this person is probably going to find a job for fifty or fifty-five thousand on the open marketplace, and was being paid well over seventy. Right. And now. Uh, they're going to have a hard time matching their income. And so I was like, you know, although I appreciate that you were being generous with your employee and things like that, like in a way it's kind of mean because now you kind of set her up to have to take a much lower standard of living going forward. (laughs) And and you're, you're absolutely right. And that's, that was the unintended consequence of what I did as well. Is that right? Is I did it to, to be helpful, to, to do what, what I could. I mean, you know, one day I walked out of my office and, and my employee was looking at a, a, a paddleboard. All right. And, you know, I was going to give her a bonus anyways, but she'd been looking at paddle boards for a while, and I said, well, how much is it? Calculated the taxes and everything else and made sure that she could buy her paddle board. And that's the thing is, that's what I wanted to do. But the thing is, when the economy shifts, everyone has to pay for that as well. Right. You know, it's not that I'm going to not send you your paycheck, but I may not be able to be as generous either. And there's this expectation with these young people of I want more, I want more, without understanding the actual economics of the business. Fair enough. Um, might as well jump into faith. Sure. This episode is sponsored by Loco Think Tank. Loco Think Tank provides peer collaboration for business owners. We build smart, safe places to help business leaders navigate every stage of the business journey, and we love what we do and who we do it with. Our model features gift back minded business veterans in the role of Loco facilitators, and we're always looking for abundance-minded individuals to add to our membership, facilitator team, Loco community, or to feature on this podcast. Listeners of this podcast who go on to become members of Loco Think Tank get their sixth month of membership for free. Just mention the Loco Experience podcast on your application. To learn more, visit our website at locothinktank.com. That's L-O-C-O thinktank.com. You mentioned you were raised in kind of a non-denominational Christian church, if not household. Uh, What has that journey looked like? Is that something that you accepted right from your upbringing or did you have periods of doubt come back to it good good question um so it it really set a a strong foundation for me um i you know i accepted jesus as my savior when i was in fourth grade i mean i still remember exactly where i was well um and that was a big deal for me i mean it set my morals my values and, and brought some great people around uh but at the same time when you ask about challenges or or questioning it uh, when my friend was murdered, uh, ironically, that was in 97 hmm. and, uh, ironically my wife, it was, it was literally just over 
20 years to the day uh, when my friend was murdered well. com- relative to when I got married. Um, and something very interesting happened uh, at that same time. The truth is I had lived quite well for 20 years on hate, anger, rage towards the man who killed my friend. Well, um, he ended up getting charged. Um, I, I wouldn't wish it on anybody else, but a fr- my friend that was murdered, this gentleman had murdered other people as well. So personally, the way I feel about it is I didn't get justice for my friend. Mm. You know, I, I just, I don't feel as though that was, that was justice. Mm. Uh, the man served his time. He was let out. And my mom, when I lived in uh, Southern California, she was visiting and she saw a name and address on a post note on my desk. Oh shit. She knew what it was. Um, and she, she said, why do you have that? I said, I don't know. I honestly didn't know why I had it or what I was going to do with it. Mm. Uh, fortunately I did end up disposing of it yeah. and not, not reacting to it. But, well, and yeah. forgiveness wasn't soaked throughout your person at least in that space. You're absolutely right. And that's, that's what's interesting is in 2017, uh, my mother-in-law came out, didn't look at any descriptions. She just happened to grab a movie from Redbox, and it was uh, The Shack. Hmm. I'd never heard of it, never read it, yeah. never seen it. Started watching it, and if anyone's familiar with it, have you seen it? Or I you? have, yeah, and so, read the book too. So at the point where Jesus had changed from, I believe, a woman to a man, and he said, today you need a father, and made him confront what was going on. I'll tell you, that was life-changing for me. Hmm. Um, I was watching it, and I, I, as it kind of got to that part of the movie, I, I didn't like where it was going. <laughs> yeah. Because I truly felt as though God was just was looking taking at me head on a little the bit. TV of saying, I'm talking to you yeah. right now, today. And what happened is I got up, I walked out. I couldn't finish the movie. I called. Wow. At the time, Dan wasn't my business partner, but I called him. I went out to my garage. And I stand. I, I don't understand why this movie truly feels like God's just pointing at me, saying, <laughs> we're going to deal with this now. And we had a very long conversation around forgiveness and um, mm. whether or not I truly believe God's going to deal with it. Mm. Uh, so that was life-changing for me. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, he says it pretty clearly. You know, he's like, vengeance is not yours, it's mine. So it's it's interesting you say that. Dan asked me, he said, if we just call it the bat of wrath. Yeah. He said, if I handed that to you, what would you do to this man? I said, I'd destroy him. Yeah. He said, if you hand it back to God, then what? I said, doesn't look like I did anything. He said, you need to keep that in mind. He said, you, you're you literally drinking the poison, yeah. hoping it kills him. So that anger and that rage, and that was in 2017. I'm still trying to trying to get through all of this and, yeah. and truly forgive the man. But the truth is, at the end of the day, me holding that this anger and this rage isn't going to change anything for him. Yeah, true. It's only going to impact me. So I'm I'm getting there. Yeah. It's, it's one of the few things as far as forgiveness I've had. We'll talk more about it on our mushroom trip. Uh, <laughs> good call <laughs> um if there's because we just passed easter was just you know two days ago oh, yeah. um obviously a very significant holiday for christians and those who call upon that salvation um i think it's a time of the season when a lot of people at least reflect you know a lot of people try to just keep god in a little box that they don't pay attention too much but sometimes pull out, they're pull challenged. when it's convenient yeah yeah or not at all sure you know, but if there's somebody like chewing on faith or even chewing on unforgiveness in their life, what would you say to that person? Um, chewing on, do you mind going to just ask a little bit? Yeah, I mean, just you and I both know a lot of people that don't know Christ at all. Right. But that know of him and have been wondering. You know, for me, 
grace when you mentioned grace that was really my first i had i had a religious studies major in college and i went to a church kind of but not one where they shared the good news if you right. will and so i i knew all the different like you know prayers and meditations and different not not specifically but i knew of the different kind of faith backgrounds but christianity is separated by grace you know it's god's grace not our works or our sacrifices or our activities even to a certain extent i mean theoretically you can kill somebody and then come to faith an hour later and be good and a lot of religions can't abide by that and that's that's very <laughs> even even for christians i mean that's hard that's for sure hard to 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 reconcile uh, but what's interesting is in the conversation I had with Dan, I think that evening and multiple times since, um, is he said, look, he said, it's, it's a simple gift. It's a gift that's been, that's been given. All you have to do is accept it. He said, Chris, if you were dying and I walked from here down to the Amazon jungle, climbed a mountain and picked a single flower and walked all the way back here barefoot, dealing with jaguars and just every potential <laughs> risk between here and there and back. Yeah, yeah. And I brought it to your door and offered you a gift. Would you reject that? I said, "Well, no, I wouldn't." He said, "And that's th- not it's not a direct comparison." Yeah, yeah. The truth of the matter is, you you don't have to accept the gift, but Jesus Jesus did this for it, you. He already walked. He paid the price. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 another analogy he had used, he said, "If you're in court and there's a fine that needs to be paid, it doesn't have to be your money. Hmm. Anyone in that courtroom can jump up and say, i 'I'll pay it.' Yeah. And all all that has to be done is I have to accept it." And Jesus paid that price for us. And, and I, I do accept that. And for those that are looking, what I, what I perceive in society right now is that is got Jesus is being put out there as judgmental, mm-hmm. that everything you do is being judged. And Dan and I, we, we tend to spend time looking at um, people's experiences essentially when they die and, mm. and come back. And it's very, very interesting, some of them, one in particular, um, I say one, but a bunch come to mind. <laughs> um, it's it's very interesting. One person in particular, I believe this gentleman served in the military. He was walking. Uh, he had died and found himself walking next to what he described as an angel. And he was nervous because he was stepping on the grass. He said, in the military, you don't walk on the grass. Mm. So he quickly looked behind him and was relieved to see that the grass hadn't been pushed down behind him. Mm. Uh, but he was asking questions, and uh, uh, apparently he'd walked with this angel and then was talking to Jesus and said, why why me? Just understanding how imperfect he was, that, uh, that yeah, he yeah. was a sinner. Yep. And Jesus said, you clearly haven't spent enough time reading my book, essentially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, of saying, you have accepted the gift that, that I gave you, and you've been washed clean, clean as snow. I can't see your sin. But that doesn't mean, in my opinion... That doesn't mean we're not going to face judgment. We are all sinners. Mm. But if you've accepted the gift and the salvation that Jesus has given to us, it's that simple. And, you know, I've got um, people around me uh, that that think it's about being a good person. Sure. You can be a good person all day long, but we are all imperfect. Yeah. It's just that simple. Well, I think the the societal challenges and the disagreement over what the right values are and things like that is, you know, somebody's quote is, you know, there's a, there's a God sized hole in people's hearts, (laughs) you know, because they don't have that there. And, um, 
so yeah, uh, you know, I think that's uh, key to be considered for anybody. I would agree. I, I I don't exactly understand what has happened over the years as far as faith. I mean, I grew up in a Christian <clears throat> non-denominational church, but I went to Catholic school. Oh, you did? Boy, is that a difference. I bet. It was interesting. That was like your seven through nine years there? Uh, the private correct. school, kind of? Yeah. Seven, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, so, that's right. Seven, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> um, you know, in seventh grade, my first year, I was really shocked. I got home one day and uh, I was in big trouble with my mom. She was furious, mm. saying that I was disruptive in class and that just wasn't me. So I'm panicking, trying to understand what is she referring to. She got a call from the school that that I was disruptive. Yeah. And we'll come to find out it was, I won't use a name, but it was one of the sisters <laughs> Okay. Uh, that had called and said I was disruptive in class. And I was panicking again, trying to figure out what I did. I said, no, I was asking questions. My mom quickly thought about it and said, oh, okay, all right. You can ask all the questions you want and essentially told me to not worry about my my grades mm. in religion class going through Catholic school. And again, I wasn't trying to be disruptive or, or create problems. Yeah. What they were but you've been taught different. Right. I was trying to understand. And what I ended up learning, um, relatively speaking, is in the Catholic Church, from my experience, you don't ask questions you are told. And that's where I've, even my transcripts from, from my school years, um, I've had friends ask, how in the world did you get such low grades in religion? You'd think that'd be a straight A class. I said, honestly, because I was trying to understand. I was raised to ask questions. Yeah. I was trying to understand. Uh, but there was something else that came up, and you'd asked about race as well. Yeah. In eighth grade, I was called down to the parish, because the, the church was in the school, um, along with about six or seven other students. Okay. I did notice, and again, I wasn't raised to see race, but I did notice it was all the students, about eight eight of us or so, all the students that were not white. Right. We had been called down, and apparently, if I remember correctly, the parishioners had brought up an issue, and they didn't want us taking part in the sacrament, I believe, or communion yeah. in, in my church. Didn't want us taking part in it if we were not... Uh, direct members of the church. Well, a lot of the students there I know did not attend right. that that church. Right. But I found it very interesting. And, and at the time, I just kind of brushed it off like, okay, no big deal. My, I know my church would never say that. My church is very clear of if you understand what it is, you are more than welcome to join us. Yeah. Um, but in hindsight and kind of looking at where society's at, we're talking about race and all this stuff. Well, that's kind of a big issue. And, and again, I wouldn't do it to cancel anyone or anything else. Sure. But it's a discussion that needs to be had. Why yeah. all of a sudden were we called down? Were they hiding you? What do you, what do you mean? Were they hiding you from other parishioners or something like that? Like they had this private school and we let anybody come, but we'll hide the Hispanics and the blacks. When well, the... <laughs> it's, 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 they just wanted us to just stay in the pew. I yeah. mean, we still had to attend, you know, church or mass or whatever. All right. It, when it was going on during school. But we were not supposed to take part in what I would call communion. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and it... Interesting. It was just, it was, yeah. And in general, when I've tried to talk to Catholics about it, some are very, oh my gosh, I've, I've heard that before or whatever else. And others are like, there's no way that happened. Well, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not out to defame anybody. It's just, <laughs> I, I remember it. I, I was there. Yeah. <laughs> um, we always close with the loco experience. 
your crazy experience from your lifetime that you're willing to share. Craziest, if you're willing. Um, to be honest with you, I, that, that's been a challenge. So I talked to Dan. He he recommended something. <laughs> okay. He actually recorded it because uh, he liked the story so much. Okay. So. And do you I'll, agree? It, yeah. It, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's hear it. So. I actually tried calling my buddy Jake three times on my way up here. We wor- both work a lot, so he can be hard to reach, just mm. to make sure he's okay that I told the story. <laughs> okay. Couldn't reach him. I'm going to tell it anyways. Okay. So my buddy Jake, we grew up in church together. We're very, very close, uh, really more like brothers. At the same time, Jake's a drinker. Okay. He, he likes to drink. Um, he got married in 2015. Um, okay. I believe it was March, end of March, 2015 in Minnesota and, uh, his birthday's in January. So in general, Jake can drink as much beer as he wants. He's fine. When he drinks, <laughs> throw liquor, some whiskeys in there and it, Oh, it gets out of, different out of control. Kind of drink. Okay. So he went out for his birthday again. I'm here in Colorado. He was out there. And I remember specifically <clears throat> being at Walmart, I was picking up, uh, dish soap. And so I was in the cleaning the, the cleaning aisle. Okay. When he called and he, he sounded out of sorts. I said, well, Jake, what's going on? Are you okay? He said, yeah, Ashley's really mad. And this is his fiance. I said, well, what'd you do? He said, dude, I got into a lot of trouble. I said, I, he said he went out, he drank two fish bowls. I didn't know what that was. That sounds like a fish bowl with a straw in it to me of some sort. A lot of liquor. Right. He drank two of them. And I'm like, okay, so what, what happened? He said, well, I got up in the middle of the night and I peed in the closet. Like a lot. <laughs> I said, "Well, Jake, that's that's not good." But with your wedding coming up and me being your best man, I might have to share share this. And he said, "No, no, please don't, please don't. I cannot. If my grandmother knows that I peed in the closet, <laughs> it's a pretty big problem." All right, all right, Jake. Fine, I agree. I like your grandmother. I won't. I won't do that to you. Well, around comes the wedding. Comes the wedding and the bridal party. I mean, everyone. We were specifically asked by his wife not to drink before the ceremony. Okay. For the most part, we did really, really well. Till right before. <laughs> One of the other groomsmen said, hey, let's let's go get a drink or two. We probably took two shots. Quick fishbowl. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> two shots. We The ceremony went great. But as soon as that was over, we started drinking more. I probably had a few Long Islands. And I do blame Colorado for part of this. Right. Because I had just recently moved here about a year or so earlier. I figured I could handle more alcohol than normal. Right, yeah. Yeah, oh, that that wasn't the case. Um, So we start telling, you know, the the microphone starts getting passed along the table. Oh, boy. It goes down the bride's side first, then comes down the groom's side. Well, Jake has an older brother. He's also a drinker. Um, A few nights before the wedding, we'd been out, we had a good time. I said, Jason, have have we talked about our speech, what are we going to say? Cause it was kind of a, a co best man thing. Yeah, fair. And when we're out drinking, he said, Oh, Chris, I've already got it. Don't worry about it. I'll get you, you know, we'll figure out in the morning. I asked him the next morning, I said, Jason, what are we going to say? He said, uh, he said, well, I don't know. I said, you said last night, you know what we're going to say? He said, I'm an alcoholic. Don't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're at the wedding, at the wedding party. And, the microphone comes down to me, and I start talking about me and Jake's history. We grew up together. We're very close, everything else. That Jake is just one of those guys. He needs a very special bride to put up with him. Ashley is that special person. 
But then I go on to say, but you know what? Jake screwed up a few weeks ago. But I won't go into the details and everything else. But ultimately, here we are today. Again, I've had quite a few drinks. Here we are today. And when the alcoholic brother reaches over to take the microphone from me, you know you screwed up. Uh-oh. <laughs> he said, okay, let's take that away. And so as I realized, oh, my God, I said, Jake screwed up. And right. Here we are still today at the wedding. As the microphone's getting pulled away from my mouth, I, I shouted into it, oh, he didn't I, cheat. Cause, cause, right. Cause I'm thinking <laughs> everyone thinks he closet. cheated. But what did I say is, and it wasn't with a woman. <laughs> and, oh, the away. and it wasn't with a woman. And everyone goes, oh, my God. And everyone was just shocked. And, uh, and at that point, it just hits you like a ton of bricks. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, wait. I just made it that much worse. I just lost one of my best friends. Like, I'm in so much trouble. I was so scared to look to my right. And as I slowly looked down there, Ashley was laughing like, okay. Well, at least Ashley's laughing. And I look past her, and Jake was also laughing like, okay, so I think we're still friends. So that's good. Well, I sat there so nervous as a result of that. Like, what's going to happen? What's the fallout going to be? Fortunately, everyone else did their speeches. And after afterwards, both Jake and Ashley approached me and said, that was the best, best man speech ever. <laughs> I said, well, Jake, what about your grandmother? And he said, oh, she came up to me and she asked. She said, Jacob. What did you do? And he said, I just peed in the closet. He goes, oh, thank God. Right? <laughs> See? And so apparently I just made peeing in the closet perfectly acceptable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As long as he didn't cheat. Yeah. But especially if it wasn't with a woman. <laughs> <laughs> You'd want to know. And so I was I was really scared. So Jake, look, he, he called everybody from the wedding and no one recorded it. Oh. Not a single person. And so, I mean, I, I was genuinely scared. I thought I was going to lose my friend over that. Yeah. That's so. awesome. Well, um, people are going to want to look me up, sure. get some CBD, get some buzz screen action. Um, do you want to give those websites? Is that sure. the best way to find you? So, uh, Plenty Wellness is plentywellness.com, P-L-E-N-T-Y-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S.com, and buzz screens, B-U-Z-Z-S-C-R-E-E-N-S.com. And if I may, can I share my cell phone? Sure, yeah, if you want to. So we do a lot of consultations, and we really want to work with people, and it truly is a relationship business for us. Um, I can be reached directly at 970-844-9807. 844-9807. You heard it here. Well, hey, Chris, this has been a fun conversation. Thanks for entertaining, uh, sipping tequila with me, and uh, you know, fixing the challenges of small business and uh, medical issues and emotional issues around the world. Absolutely. Godspeed. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Loco Experience Podcast, produced and sponsored by Loco Think Tank. This is your producer, Alma Ariano. Check out our website at thelocoexperience.com to find all of our episodes, nominate future guests, or leave us a message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at The Loco Experience. To support the show, please subscribe and share it with your favorite people. Until next time, stay loco.